Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Drew Pearson. Thanks for being on the show, Drew. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, a little about Drew. He began his commercial real estate career at Ladder and Blum in Baton Rouge in 2008. He moved uh, to a boutique firm named Waters and Petit. Is that how you say that, Drew? Waters and Pettit in 2011, and within a few years became a top-selling agent there. To date, he has sold over $100 million of investment property in more than 15 states. In 2015, he began to work at a real estate private equity firm, Prominence. Is that how you say that? Prominence? Promanus. I'm messing everything up today. My goodness. <laughs> in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where he served as head of acquisitions, helping the firm to grow to over $250 million of real estate assets value. He considers his time there instrumental in his growth and development process. So, Drew, thank you again for your expertise and being willing to share today. But give the listeners a little more about who you are and, and what you're up to right now. Man, look, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm born and raised in Louisiana, and I've always been passionate about real estate. And, you know, as I, like we talked about, I got started as a broker. And, you know, it's a tough job being a broker, waking up one day, having someone change their mind, and you're like, wow, I still got to pay the house note this month. And there it went. And so for a couple of years, you know, I'm thinking, so how do I grow my wealth in real estate? How do I add value, more importantly, to other people's lives? And it's just been a natural transition to get to this private equity world of real estate, whatever you want to call it. Where right now, we raise capital to buy income-producing properties. We manage those properties and then send a return back to our investors on a monthly basis. And so we're trying to create mailbox money for our investors, in essence. But you know, we just closed on our fifth deal. We've got about 12 or 15 million under management right now across two different states. And so we're scaling our property management, we're scaling our fundraising. And I wanted to come on the show today just to talk about some of the challenges, to be encouraging to folks in my position. It's a big leap going conceptually from, hey, I know about real estate. I've done deals to raising money and then using that to feed my family. So that's one of the biggest reasons I wanted to come on the show today. I love how you laid that out there. I mean, from getting started to using it to feed our family. I mean, that is a big step. And I mean, and just getting to a couple deals, I mean, that's getting started. I just see it time and time again is so difficult, right? I mean, I, I learned it myself and seen it, you know, through my own business. And then I see it in so many people all the time. It's just getting started, especially the first deal. But I'd love to hear getting your business off the ground, getting started, or, you know, or maybe you can help the you know others that are, you know, haven't got to the first deal yet. Maybe we can back up a little bit and, just, and lay out a little bit of, of the challenges that you had to work through and help us do the same. Well, you know, I think the biggest challenge is really the mental challenge of, of just knowing that, listen, you can do this depending on your level of background. You know, I think the safest way to invest in real estate is to try to buy value add properties properties that are below replacement costs, where the tenants are paying at a below market rent. Can we reinvest some capital into the property to raise those rents and raise that value? And so we were fortunate enough to find a property similar to that located right next to a hospital, leased to doctors and urgent cares. So that's been a great property for us. 
And then at the same time, we found another kind of corporately leased property to a, a Fortune 500 company with 2,000 locations around the country. And so we have a blend of kind of steady eddy money that shows up, you know, automatically direct deposit. And then we also have this other property where we kind of roll our sleeves up a little bit, add value to it and continue to increase the, uh, the cash flow and, and its value long term. You had mentioned, you know, like value add usually is the safest place for people to start. And right now, value add properties are, are hard to find, right? They are. They're <laughs> a challenge. I guess I got started back in 06, 07, working for a developer and things were tough for him in 08 as they were for a lot of people. And so I am still a little more of the conservative mindset, seeing how it can go real bad. I know a lot of people have done well in development, but that's kind of why I tend to stay closer to the value add. Yeah. We've talked about or on the show about how you know a lot of people are moving to development because of the difficulty in finding properties, but I'm not so sure that's a place where I would start. Yeah, I can agree. I think you need a strong balance sheet. You need it's helpful to have seen a cycle or two. Yes. So you talked about some other challenges getting your business off the ground, getting started. What are some other challenges? I, I know you know getting to that first deal. Right. You know, I think one of the biggest things for your first deal is it's the chicken or the egg. We have to have the capital and the deal do the due diligence and then close simultaneously. So one thing that I do improve upon next time is kind of soft raise that money to begin with. Go to your friends and family and say, hey, listen guys, this is what I'm looking to do. Kind of give a hypothetical property, hypothetical price range and return and say, if I find something like this, would you be interested in investing in a deal like this? And if they trust you, it odds are they're gonna say yes. And so you've kind of got this capital soft committed, talk to a banker and kind of get some money, some hypothetical terms lined up and they have your global cash flow statement and all this kind of stuff. But it, it can be very stressful when you get down to 10 days left of your inspection, you're raising capital, you're going through an operating document, you're doing all this and you're kind of running around with hair on fire. And so my suggestion is to kind of take it into pieces where you're prepared going into that first and your second. I love that running around with your hair on fire. That That is so true. Can be so true. But it is a big issue that I hear talked about also. Like, is it the deal you need first or is it the capital? Well, everybody says, well, you know, if, if you have a good deal, the money's going to come. Well, and, I, and again, I think that's true. Boy, a track record is just so helpful. And as we're kind of getting our fourth and fifth deal underneath our belts and we're distributing capital on a monthly basis, I just can't tell you how much easier it is to have conversations with investors. They're referring us to their friends and so in my opinion, it's a simultaneous deal that you need to properly plan for. No doubt. So I like your point that you said about having a hypothetical deal and going out and talking to people. And you do have to have some kind of input or interest in people investing with you, right? Or, you know, starting after when you start due diligence on a property, I mean, that's not the time you want to start raising capital, right? Ill-advised, I'll say yeah. that. So if you're talking to somebody and they're saying, okay, Drew, oh, I've talked to my friends and family and I feel like I've got, let's say $500,000 committed. How much of that would you say we should count on when we actually have a deal? Well, I would say it's all kind of depends on who your friends and family are, who your, you know, your father-in-law is, but I would feel good about 400,000 of that. I guess I've learned a few things of when you're targeting money, I'm in my thirties. And so I have some friends who are fortunate enough to have done pretty well. You really target investors who are 50 and older. They have a lower risk profile. They have a lower return metric. Wealthy folks in their thirties and early forties are still looking to, in my experience, are aggressive and looking to really grow their net worth, which can be challenging on the return side for real estate. It's challenging to get them interested. So I would focus on some higher net worth, older folks who are conservative, 
And then I would just really clearly lay out the first question everybody has is, okay, as the investor, what am I going to get paid? What am I going to get paid and when am I going to get paid back? So you need to answer those two questions. And then the next question is, okay, Drew, what are you going to get paid in all this? They want to make sure that it's reasonable, it's fair, that you're not kind of dipping in the kitty before you should. So you answer those two questions first and then go into the property specifics. What's your path to growth? Why you think there's an opportunity here? And I thought it was a much harder conversation than it is, but it's, it's really a 15 minute conversation. And, that, and then you need to ask. Make sure you ask for the right amount. Just ask and say what you need. Hey, I need, I need $250,000. I need a million dollars. And you'd be shocked and what the world will deliver to you. So, you know, would you elaborate a little on maybe how you raised the capital for your first deal? Sure, sure. You know, I was fortunate enough in my 10 years as a broker to form some good relationships with some other property owners in my area. You know, some guys with 30 and 40 properties already. And it was like, hey, Drew, we, we like you. We trust you. I've kind of gained their respect and credibility. So that was probably three of my investors, which accounted for 50, 60% of it. I also have a partner who I work with, Ben Bullock, and he had a family member come in for a little bit. It was really, it was easier than I thought it was going to be. I'm not lying to you. It was 24 hours for raised a million bucks on the phone. Just, just like that. Good for you. And would you agree, though, that that was all because of the previous relationships and how you had built those long before you needed the capital? Absolutely. If I didn't have the background in real estate, it would be much more challenging. Yeah. And, you know, I also didn't ask my family members directly. I didn't ask my dad or my, my parents for anything. Just look, everybody's situation is different, but just making sure to kind of keep church and state separate, I think is good for Thanksgiving meals, you know? <laughs> so, you know, then growing your business or going from, you know, the first deal to the second deal, any other challenges there that maybe you didn't expect or you didn't have on the first time? Well, I think it's so important to understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Oftentimes, guys who get, get off the ground are, are deal junkies. They're deal guys, and that's what I am. Unfortunately, some of the minute details of like camera conciliations are not my strong suit. And so making sure that you're planning for future hires, we're trying to build out a property management team right now. And there are just some inevitable challenges that come with that. But as long as you, you have a good plan in place, a plan to grow, I think that's what's important. The deal with real estate is you kind of have to have a certain assets under management to pay for some of these positions. And so until you have that income coming in, it's it's kind of up to you and maybe a partner to take care of all those roles. So planning for future hires. Now, I think that's very smart. How else are you planning? Or, or let's say, you know, after the first deal, maybe into the second, or what other things that you maybe should have been planning for that you weren't at that time? Again, there's so much there's so much stuff that you don't know until you get into it, but we've really grown our knowledge on the non-recourse debt side of things. And so we've got a great mortgage broker based out of Mobile who we use, who's, who's young and aggressive and who gets us kind of some great quotes. You know, it's just proper preparation. It can be applied to really every metric in real estate from lining up your local lending to your inspection material, you know, inspections on your properties, all that. How did you all educate yourself about, you know, non-recourse loans or, you know, to become so knowledgeable about them? It was just the most random thing. I I talked to Professor Delosu, who was head of finance and was a mortgage broker in a past life. And he had kind of referred me to someone who referred me to this guy. And he's just, he's been phenomenal. He's a guy about my age who we can kind of grow our career with. And I think it's important just to try to align yourself with smart and people of high moral character who are hungry. You know, you know the guys who are hungry and the guys who are just ticking back with their feet up most of the day. 
I like that. You know, there are times where you need the guy that's been in the business already 30 years. But then again, there's times where it's beneficial to have somebody that's not as experienced, but somebody that's still hungry, like you're talking about. Exactly. Look, he has eight, nine years experience on the banking side. And so he's like us. He just made the leap to really eat what you kill last year. And so it's been a great relationship. I like that. And so, you know, Drew, what's been the hardest part of the syndication journey for you? Man, you know, I think patience is such a hard thing. You have these big goals in front of you. You have some internal investment metrics that look really great in Excel, that look really great on paper. And then finding those deals and being patient enough to say, hey, listen, if we follow our process, which is prospecting every day, which is communicating and doing deals the right way, knowing that it's going to come and knowing that this is a get rich quick and 30 year strategy. If we do our jobs right, it's going to all work itself out in the end. But those first, even one in two years, you're ready to get there. You're ready to push and be aggressive, which is not always the best thing to do when it comes to capital allocation. Yeah, especially when you're brand new. Right. So, you know, how are you preparing for this potential downturn that everyone's talking about? You know, I guess that is the million dollar question. And I'm certainly not smart enough to know, is it going to happen tomorrow or in 10 years or something with Iran or who knows what? Again, we kind of come back to core principles of real estate, which in our opinion is buying properties below replacement costs, lease to tenants who are at or below market rent, and lease to companies who are Amazon and internet resistant. You know, I mean, we, we lease to people like Exxon who have a pipe yard or a doctor who gives a pain back medication for their patients. These are things that just can't be outsourced to the internet. And again, we looked at making sure that we're not paying above market rents. I think Starbucks is a phenomenal company, but if they ever leave a location, it's hard to replace $45 a square foot in rent. And so just making sure our downside is protected where we can weather the storms to come. So you're doing numerous asset classes or what are you, you're all focused? You know, right now we own industrial and multi-tenant medical. Multifamily is not my bailiwick. I'm going to leave it to people like yourselves who are much more skilled at it on the management side. We're not really into retail because Again, I think there's a lot of question marks there. I have some friends who are doing very well on large scale, second and third generation developments. But again, that's not our bailiwick. In the Southeast, industrial is really big. And I think medical office has a long way to run. So what's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Man, that's a great question. We have started implementing and using uh, traction. It's a system and book written by, it's on my desk right here. As a matter of fact, it's written by Gino Wickman. And it's a great system on keeping your team members accountable and yourself accountable, weekly meetings to really set goals and reach those goals. We just started implementing that a few months ago, and it's, it's really been great for us. How are you all doing the EOS portion of that as well? We're kind of doing the EOS on our own right now with uh, the hope to get there in the next 12 months, have an implementer come in and do the whole deal. Nice. Uh, again, it's all about kind of managing that cash flow early on. Yeah. What's a, one way that you've seen, you know, traction and the things in that book will help you all the most? Well, you know, I think it's great to write your goals down and look at those goals every day. Look at, you know, they call them rocks, which are your kind of quarterly goals and then your issues and working through those issues. You, you just, I'm always shocked on how you have these nagging things in your mind at four in the morning. You go through your day and nothing's ever completed on those issues. But you have this issue list, you work through them in five days, you're like, oh, shit. Wow, I've got all my issues solved for the quarter. So it really holds your feet to the fire to keep you accountable. 
it's time to come up with some more rocks then, right? That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, I think we're going to hit our goal here in into January for the quarter. So it's time to get some more properties uh, under contract. What's the, the best advice you can give for caring for investors in a way that they want to come back to the next deal? You know, I think what I have found is just to be, oh, it sounds cliche, but just be open and honest with people. Be as transparent as possible. And then I really think humility goes a long way. I'm certainly honored for the money that we have had the opportunity to deploy and knowing that $250,000 is a lot of money. I know we can kind of get distracted by stuff in the media or numbers or whatnot, but that's still a lot of money to families and to people. And the fact that we have that opportunity, I'm just humbled every day and it's a responsibility to treat it right. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? You know, I'm fortunate to have a great partner who I, Ben Bullock, who I'm with every day and we push each other to think bigger to be accountable and to do our jobs the best that we can do. And the good Lord's just put a lot of opportunities in front of us to, to be successful. And so I'm, I'm thankful for all those things. How do you like to give back? You know, it's something that we're really working to do. I don't know yet is the answer. I know that's an, or my life that's a little weak. And that's one of our goals this year is to contribute a portion of our profits to something that's worthy, whether that's St. Jude, whether that's, you know, wounded veteran, something like that. Wow. Appreciate your transparency and that y'all are thinking about giving back. And uh, but tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, really simple. You know, my email is drew at pearsonpartnerspe.com, P-E-A-R-S-O-N-P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S-P-E.com. If you got any questions or just want to kind of catch up, be glad to offer any advice or help I can. Awesome. Thank you, Drew. That's a wrap. Thank you. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.